This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. And this shows why I was never employed as a, as a drummer. But, mm. um, uh, but my fabulous producer, Matt Stedman, certainly was. Good afternoon to you. My name is Cam Smith. You are listening to the show, which is called Simply Eat It. It's a command. Yes. <laughs> it is. Maddie, how are you? I'm well. I'm, uh, yeah, we've never quite grappled with the name of the show before, have we? But there no. you go. It's like, it's uh, one syllables. Yes. It's simple. It's simple. It's, it's catchy. It's a command. <laughs> Go on, do it, and uh, we hope you do. And I hope with it by the uh, by the end of the show today mm. that you are inspired to uh, eat it, eat it, and think about things and um, maybe look at things a little bit differently. We need to look backwards. Yes. Yeah, in the rear vision mirror of uh, of radio. Something which is, uh, as we say many times, and that's one of the reasons we asked you to subscribe at Radiothon, mm. it's something that's not encouraged by commercial radio. It's a relentless moving forward, relentless coming up, coming up. But yes. we just want to throw some accolades backwards. Yes, to our friends from Einstein and Gogo, what another great hour of radio. And also, we were enjoying uh, radiotherapy this morning. We were chaired, chaired. by panel beta Kent. Uh, he's, who, gone. He's, he's gone, but he's very excited about our show today. He is indeed. Speaking he's, of moving forward, he's uh, he was bubbling over with uh, with great joy. Yes, um, uh, because we were going to be talking about fermentation. Yes, and um, I just want to keep the metaphor going, exuding great carbon dioxide. Uh, no, he's um, uh, he was he was very much uh, into the fact that uh, our first guest is Ivy Lane today, and she yes. rejoins us. From last time she was on the show is 2015. And uh, what she did, she thought, you know what? I like sauerkraut and mm. I want to share this with people. Sauerkraut. It's like, it's like a vision. It's, yes. it's like the Lord spoke to her and said, you will disseminate this technique of sauerkraut. And she said, yes, Lord, I hear you. And um, she's going to be doing a, um, a kraut day, which is uh, happening on the 20th of October. First... Uh, community crowd day, so mm. that's happening around here. We're going to hear about that. Why would you want to? Yeah, well, we were talking about this on the way in, and I'm saying, well, to me, sauerkraut is that nice, tart, sort of acidic thing you whack on top of a bratwurst. And I started waving my fingers madly <laughs> at <laughs> Matt. And, going, and you were driving, it was going, horribly dude, unsafe. Dude, and you said, put the, both hands on the wheel, please. And I'm going, no. <laughs> um, but obviously there's there's more to that just than, how did you say, a pleasant, sour-tasting oh, just some crunch ac- stuff? Some, some acid on your bratwurst. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah. Um, uh, you know, not there's anything wrong with that. No, perish, no. No, no perish, no. <laughs> perish the thought. Uh, but we're going to find out why um, more fermented foods in our guts yes. help us out. As Kent was saying, it's very trendy fermentation at the moment. So everything from sourdoughs to kombucha, mm-hmm. it's all good. Get your scoby on. Yes. Get it get it happening, your kimchi's. Mm. So we're going to be talking to her, and uh, in the um, and then we have a segment which can be encapsulated by Nani Nani Nana. <laughs> yes, was that a good way to introduce this? This is ultimate in Schadenfreude. Yes, it is. Um, and uh, we've got Matt from Melbourne Rooftop Honey, and his last name is Matt Lumilassi from Melbourne City Rooftop Honey. City Rooftop Honey, good, good friend you. of the show, and of course, Melbourne. Honey's been in the news in the last few weeks. It certainly has, and for all the wrong reasons, because um, we've been looking into 
Well, cases of stuff that it's not new in in mm. food. So, food adulteration and criminality. Ooh. Uh, Should we just say at back least, on there. At least um, dishonesty? Dishonesty. So um, what's on the packet is not necess- or what's yeah. what's what's labelled on the packet is not necessarily what's inside it. We saw that with honey, or have been seeing it with honey very recently, with imported honey not being honey. Oh my god! And and this, I, I guess, what my point was, Matt, that um, mm. this goes back for millennia, ever since people have been producing food and selling it to people. Yes, they've realised that you can cut, stretch, alter, mm. hide. Uh, do things to food. Another, to, another bucket of water in the soup. Or um, chalk in sort of uh, watered-down milk. Oh. Yeah, all sorts of Ooh. terrible things have, yeah, have happened a- in regard to uh, food adulteration. Mm. And uh, in this case, um, what's been on the label hasn't necessarily been what is in the jar. And mm. I know that it's been in the news, but I thought maybe we'd just get the... Um, a uh, an aspect from uh, from Matt who's been sort of running around saying this is a possibility for a while now. Yes, and we could say that that's been vindicated. Yes, and we can talk about German testing and mm. the honey that's in your jar not necessarily being what it should be. I think it's not normally the jars. I think it's those squeezy pack ones that I'm sure most of our listeners wouldn't consider purchasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think that's we'll where. We'll find out. Yeah, we will. So why don't you stick around and find out, mm. out with us? And, uh, and then Duncan Buchanan, another sort of, uh, statistic that's come out that, uh, is that first of all absolutely horrified him was the fact that, uh, the fact that we are drinking less alcohol, even though the yes. doctors handled this with great aplomb as a yes. health issue. Uh, but Duncan, um, is a winemaker, and he was um, he was soothed somewhat by yes. it when it was said to him that it's okay. We're actually drinking less beer and more wine. Yes, and he went, "Oh well, you're right. <laughs> well, we're square then. We're square then. No, but we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll just have a bit of a, a chat to him. And also, something's happened around the vineyards around Victoria, mm-hmm. and it's a thing called bud burst. Yes. So um, spring what, seems to be a little bit late in arriving this year, doesn't it? So bud burst. Maybe a little well, later than expected. Can you remember, uh, yeah. ask him about that? Sure. Um, I'm. I always look for years now. I've mm. always been sort of gone. I got. Oh my god! The cherry blossoms out. It's global warming. We're all going to. Like, no, no. It's it's actually all right. In this case, this is just something that happens. Yes. Like, like magnolia, for instance. Mm. Those glorious trees with those great fleshy petals on them. Mm. They come pretty early. There, in fact, they're one of the first. Well, our good friend uh, Digger, formerly of Triple R's Dirty Deeds, often contended that Melbourne has six seasons and not four. That's uh, yeah, that's going on the uh, the way the Coolin Nation regards the yeah, seasons yeah. around here. I wonder if they check their season by sitting on the ground and seeing how cold their bum was the way Digger does. I think they probably do. Yeah. yeah. Bit of a famous uh, test now, isn't it? <laughs> it is indeed. Now, okay, I've got a... Um, what is this? Just to show how times have changed. Mm. First of all, you should make men- mention of the Feast of St. Adrian of Nicomedia, patron of butchers. Oh. Do you think? Mm. Uh, and uh, from Ruth Gottfried, uh, from her fabulous book, The Questing Cook, published in 1927. Mm. You probably no doubt have a hard copy cover of it, uh, of it at home. Uh, she says that uh, no cook who has attained mastery over her craft 
bit of a problem there already. Mm-hmm. Are we sensing? <laughs> uh, Ever apologises for the presence of garlic in her productions. How things have changed. Yes. How things have changed indeed. Uh, and uh, to all of you uh, that are listening, getting your ears on, mm-hmm. uh, appreciate that. And uh, to some special people that cooked some fabulous muscles for me last night. Ooh. A big thanks to them and uh, great get-together. There you go, personal cheerio. Probably shouldn't do that, but... Mm. Muscles are good. Muscles are good, cheap flavour. They're a bit of work to debeard. Not the sea bounty ones, if I can just oh, really? go and use a, a line. They don't seem to have much beards on them. Really? These are the ones in the packets you will mm-hmm. find in good fishmongers and if you're shopping under the fluorescent lights. Yes. But 10 bucks will feed... I'll feed a couple of you really, really well. Mm. We've stuff left over to make a pasta sauce afterwards. Mm. Mussels, yeah, mussels rock. And, yeah, as you said, very, very, very good for you. Mm. 12.11, we need to move on. We need to get Ivy to come in here. Yes. Talk a little bit about uh, what's that bubbling in that jar and uh, why should we refrigerate it and is it just a thing that should adorn a hot dog? Mm. Discuss. Here on 3 R. you're listening to Eat It. That's where you are, 12.13 here at the Mighty Trip in beautiful downtown East Brunswick, a community radio station committed to great information free from a commercial imperative. And with that in mind, we say a very, very big g'day to Ivy Lane returning Returning, yes. To the microphones of Three Chubbers. 2015. 2015, yeah. I've been meaning to run one of these again, but yes, I... Really? Life got in the way. Life <laughs> got in the way. As it does. And uh, this, of course, was um, you came here on uh, 2015 because you were doing a community kraut day. Yes. Uh, which sounds great. And I noticed that you were bonding pretty well with um, our, well, the person who was looking after the panel as Matt was away, uh, panel beater Kent Goldsworthy, and yes. he's become rather into the subject, it would appear. Yes. Well, I just um, gave him a few tips on his kombucha. He's been doing a single brew kombucha, and it's much better to do a continuous brew. He was so. pretty stoked. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you reckon, Matt? He was virtually stripping out. He's very excited. He was, he was oh. getting his arms in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we were actually watching going, wow, I don't know what they're saying, but he's, he's really, really into it. So um, let's first of all talk about um, sauerkraut. Uh, is it sort of a crunchy, sour thing that maybe adorns a hot dog, or is there more to it than that? I think there's way more to it. Than really? That. Yes. Yes. It's the Dorothy Dixer, and it worked. Did you see that? <laughs> yes. Well, if it's crunchy, then I don't think it's been fermented enough. To be oh. honest, I like I like a good three month ferment, and then three months. Three months, you get your maximum probiotic growth. Sheesh! What are probiotics? <laughs> Beneficial microorganisms. That well, why do we need them? Well, they help us digest our food. Mm-hmm. They help us um, communicate, our gut, our brain communicate. Because some say that there is a brain in the stomach. No, we don't have one brain. We have two brains. Yeah, well, there's that the vagus nerve that runs from the brain to the stomach. And say that's that again. The vagus nerve. I hope Does I'm that make the right us one. lose money? <laughs> Is that the thing that gets us into pay pokey machines? Well, maybe. The vagus nerve. I didn't know. So the vagus nerve is connected from It, it goes top to, to all the organs and that's how the gut communicates to the brain. The vagus nerve. I, I hope I'm getting this do. wrong. Not um, at all. That's the vagus nerve. And yeah. our microbes yes. help communicate 
that you know that information they send information so right. there's you know it's far more complicated than that but a healthy and if we take out the amount of bacteria that we have i think in the guts it would weigh something like about a kilo or something like that or if we tend to, yeah probably it's a lot a kilo, it's, yeah it is a very significant amount and if we can do things that uh, maintain the health maintain the population the quality and, of that population and the diversity and the, the diversity. diversity is the main thing yes okay because it's, uh, nature abhors a monoculture I, yes. think, I think the Irish found that when they started growing <laughs> potatoes in the 1850s. But anyway, we're not talking about the, the Gort Moor, uh, but that's another thing. So um, here we are, we're talking about, so sauerkraut, we ferment this sauerkraut because we're looking for a chemical reaction. What's that chemical reaction producing that we want? Where we want to create an environment where lactic acid bacteria It thrive. is lactic acid, yes. Yeah. and so there's different stages Mm. Um, there's a first stage which lowers the pH, it's more acidic and there's certain strains that grow. Yep. Then there's the second stage where, I'm not sure what dominates there, but it makes it ideal for the lactic acid to grow. Yep. And so third stage, um, which is why I like a long ferment. Um, mm. Three months, as you yeah, said three before. three months is ideal. Um, then you're getting the highest number of, and as the lactic acid is produced, it pushes down and makes it difficult for other bacteria, pathogenic bacteria goes, to grow. ha Yes, I can. Screw I can you guys. Over. We got we got a bigger population. <laughs> yeah. We we'll beat assuming, you up. Assuming you ideal fermenting conditions, which yes. is um, ideally uh, oxygen temperature. deprived. Temperature. Oxygen yeah. deprived. Temperature is about 21 to 22 degrees, ideal. 21 Which is hard to maintain in winter here. Yeah, <laughs> and in summer, hello. you know, but summer is a bit easy, easier to keep it cool. Yes. Um, so I actually had my ferments near the heater to this <laughs> recently because it was just so cold. See my little friends yeah. next to the heater warming up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If they could talk. Oh, yeah, it's great. But, well, they, they bubble, you know, when they're yep. heavy, they start bubbling. Um, and also you need um, a unreactive container to for this fermentation to take place. So therefore glazed pottery is great and also glass is great. Yeah, as long so as the pottery is lead-free. Yeah. Make sure it's lead free. Oh, that's a good idea. That's yeah. thing, which m- most of the crocs out there that are sold are lead free. So right. yeah, maybe not use uh, some like antique glass. one from. Yeah, no, don't you, use an antique one. You yeah. could, could get in trouble. So if yes. you get this, wow, this really old thing, I can use that. That might be a bit of a, a problem. Yes, that's good information yes, yes. to know. Um, we okay. So let's. Uh, so this is why we do it. Uh, so Matt, did you get that? It's not just for hot dogs, right? Okay, thank you. Check. Yep. Okay, check. Okay, thank you for that. Um, so we've got the workshop that is taking place. Can you run us through what that's going to look like and what people will learn and take away with them? I suppose. Well, my idea. So I, I do run smaller classes, mm. and initially the classes we were just demonstrating, and I kept running into people you know, ages after the workshop and they hadn't actually started it. So I said, right, we need to get what? people doing it. I you know. shake them around by the collar? <laughs> well, what do you mean you didn't do it? It was so much information and they learnt a lot but they weren't doing it. I cast it. my pearls before you and look <laughs> exactly. what you've done. Nothing. That's how I felt. Yeah, I was yeah. devastated. Because yeah. I don't, like I do this because I love it, but I do it because I want people to take control of their health. You you, you want to uh, inspire and empower people and motivate them yes. ultimately. And, yes. Okay. you know, the more, the more fermented foods they have, the, the more motivation they've got to live. So yeah. that's what I find. So the, the the idea behind Community Sauerkraut Day is to bring people together in a, in a community environment and make it really fun. Mm. So this time it's a bit bigger and better. 
than last time. I mean, we had a great time last time, everyone. How many really people enjoyed. did you last time? 40. Four, wow, that's pretty 40. big. Yeah, yeah. And you want to make it bigger. I do want to make it bigger. Holy and, you know, Christ. Okay, so 40 people last time. Yeah. The more people I reach, the better. Yeah, <laughs> so how opinion. many are you looking for this time? 50 to 100. Oh, that's okay. 100's going to be. 100 to be good? It'll be, it'll be good. Have you got a room for all these people? We do at Mycelium Studios down the road, actually. Say that again, Mycelium. Mycelium Studios. They're a new studio down on Moreland Road. Yes. Great space. What does Mycelium mean? That's Mushrooms. That, the mushrooms, Mycelium. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going, that's yeah. It's beautiful. Kind of related. It's really yeah. diverse. So yes. It's a great. It's a great. Uh, Fiona Black, who used to work for you. Yes. Oh, well, there, that, yeah. well, that sounds rather divine. So that's happening there. It is taking place, I've got it on Saturday the 20th, 20th. Yes. of October. Yep. Um, so it going to cost them a fortune? No, we try to keep it low cost. Yeah. Um, bigger venues meant the cost has to go slightly to look for the last time, but $60 is the early bird. 60 bucks. $60. But there's a triple R bonus for listeners. So you have to have a subscriber number, of course, and that is? That is uh, 55 Double nickel. Yes. I was going to go for that too. That's, sorry, that's an Americanism that's come through. I apologise for that. So 55 bucks. Um, they will um, have be able to take home. You're providing a jar for them a too, jar, aren't you? Yes. Um, so because this was good. Are? Sorry to cut across here. I remember you were saying it's actually better if I provide the jar because a lot of people get the the. It's like the wrong size or the wrong quality is the biggest issue because you're pro- you're creating a pressurized system here. There's gas being produced. You need it to release the gas safely, mm. and you also need the glass to be able to withhold. So these are Italian made glassware. Mm. Um, and Do you ever get the French? What are the French ones called? Le Parfait. Oh, I haven't looked at them. But just, it's just it te- like. French for perfect. So, <laughs> but it's the same. It's the wire closure on the top. Yep. It's got the the rubber seal on the uh, the glass um, slit. Yeah. Thing. Yes. And but uh, it's, you can't just go to a cheap discount shop, stop and get get them. They're not strong enough. They look the uh, same, but the glass is not the same quality, and it will break. So it's originally why the um, the early makers of champagne had to make the bottles far bigger, uh, because uh, apparently, in for instance, a bottle of champagne it has more pressure than the tires of your car. I'm not surprised. So you've got to get, <laughs> so so this so you will provide them with a jar. Yes. How big is that jar? You're going to provide That's a one liter. Yes. So the triple R subscriber thing is an upgrade to a 1.5 litre, which oh. just holds a lot more. Uh, Matt and I are going, ah, see, that <laughs> subscription does have benefits. Uh, and by the way, don't forget to pay up. We've got until until what day? Uh, until Wednesday, 20th of September, if you pledge your subscription for the Radiothon, pay up. Ooh. There you go. That was a bit stern, wasn't it? <laughs> that was a bit stern. <laughs> Sorry about Matt. He's just uh. hadn't had enough coffee today. <laughs> uh, yes, okay, so... <laughs> Uh, so that's going to be taking place, and um, there shall be frivolity and music too. Yeah, we'll apparently, you got a DJ, DJ Shikung. He's actually a good friend of mine. And can I just say one thing about the cabbages that we're getting? Please, um, please. We, be- we wanted you to say this. <laughs> what about the cabbages? The cabbages will be harvested the day before I need them. Right. So there's a, a farm down near me, Magic Meadows, Debbie, and she's really big on. Local supporting local, yeah. so she's got a cabbage farmer. That's the place. Me Magic Meadows. Magic Meadows. Magic Meadows. It's oh mate, if you're down near Geelong Way, everyone knows about it. She's, really, she's very big on supporting local, organic, very open. So she knows all her farmers, and so if there's extra po- produce, sometimes we will do a fermenting special and. And this cabbage that you use, I'm looking at the cabbage you've got in there. That's a drumhead cabbage, yeah. 
that one? It's not a yes. savoy. No, and I think that one. Oh, I had Chinese some cabbage. In that. Yeah, no. So, what sort of cabbages are you going to be fermenting? I'm not sure. Well, yet. just Whatever depend on what's happening in the yeah. market meadows <laughs> as the knife comes down and harvests. Okay. So, if they're really fresh, they make a really good ferment as well. So oh, do they? Yeah. So, when they're nice and like squeaky and yeah, because you've got more of the bacteria that you want on there. Because they haven't perished while well, yes. being off and stored. Because that's one of the thing about cabbages that has made them so popular is that you can pretty much harvest and store them for ages. Whether or not that nutrition is as good or the bacteria, as you said. Yeah. So we've learned a few things. So when you get your cabbage, you should should try and have it freshly harvested so your fermentation goes crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you just give us um, an idea of what's the basic technique for making a sauerkraut? Obviously, you want people to come to this workshop. And we'll find out how they'll get in touch with you to do that. But Reader's Digest version of people, just to give an idea of <laughs> how do you how do you ferment a cabbage? What, so what's the process? Essentially, you want you're, you're brining it. You want to I brining, mean, so which is brining, shorthand for doing salted salt. water. Yeah, so you can you you basically it's called a self brine. So as you crunch the cabbage. The salt will draw out the moisture in the what cabbage. Do you mean crunch the cabbage? So you put it in a bowl. <laughs> yeah. You add in your salt, and you yeah. want it two to three percent salt. Yeah, by way. Yeah, so ratio. for a, li- a liter, that's twenty to thirty grams, yes. and roughly a kilo of cabbage. Yes. Roughly. Yeah. Right. yeah. Scrunch it up. Wear gloves if you don't want the salt to sting. Cabbage scrunches. Yes. 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 And a then- superhero <laughs> outfit doing this. Yes. Sorry. No cap. Yes. No cap. And then you put it in your jar. Um, and you you need to keep it under the brine. Yes. So otherwise you're going to get oxygen in it and then you get sweat. Yes. I remember that from the beginning. No <laughs> oxygen. No, no, um, yes. And so I like to use the outer leaves of the cabbage. Yeah, I can see that. And a little trick that I've figured out is you need to brine the leaf first. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you get a horrible leaf on top. Mm. So you actually soak it in the brine. Then you, you hold the – you push down the crunched up cabbage mm-hmm. deep into the glass and then you use the – Cabbage leaves to hold it down, mm-hmm. and you set it aside and just out wait. of sunlight. Out of sunlight, UV is not a friend of fermentation no. in this. And and what about flavourings? Because I know that uh, uh, things like caraway seed is a good thing that yes. goes with uh, with cabbage. It looks like you've got some dill this one, fronds. This, was, this one here was just whatever I had left over. Yeah. So this is carrots, dill, um, lemon, spring onion, and cabbage in that one. Oh. So that'll be. That's nice. going to go off. So well, when's that going to be ready? Uh, you can you said you carrots, just whack here. Yeah, the carrots you can kind of... You said three months. Yeah, I, you can eat the carrots a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're kind of like your quick snack. So really that would be, if this is in a week time, they would have been delicious. Whereas the ones here are a bit salty. <laughs> they're a bit crunchy. The cost is $60. If you're a Triple R subscriber, you're going to get it for 55 and you get a bigger jar. And you'd be able to go, and you'd be able to show the people who aren't triple R subscribers your bigger jar, uh, make them jealous. How on? How do we get in touch with you so to a, to do this? The new ticketing site, which I think Paulie, my DJ, just put me onto, it's called Humanitix. H U M A N. See what they're doing there, man. I T I X. Sorry, can you do that again? I cut across you. H U M A N I T I X. Humanitix. So if you Google that. And then you search for sauerkraut, the event will come up. And what's great about Humanitics is they donate money. So to what? To we're going to Oz Oz 
Okay, I mean, basically, it's going towards producing produce for homeless people. Oh, okay. Um, so instead of the t- sorry, I should say the different the, way. Oh, okay. The booking sales yeah. instead of you know the booking fee. Yes. It goes towards a charity. Wow. So, and yeah, so I was really that was last minute we found this one. So Humanitics. Humanitics and search sauerkraut. That sounds great. It. And uh, as we say, if you uh, Google the right words, um, which was sauerkraut. Humanitics, yeah. and then sauerkraut when you get onto their, their ticketing page. What about sauerkraut workshop Melbourne? Mm, yeah, that I haven't got work. my Googling SEO up yet. So oh, okay. well, How about we just whack a tweet on our uh, That's feed? Right That'll idea. work. Yeah, and then the... the mm, you, you're I like, know, you're like water going around the rock. <laughs> yeah. And there is a, a pass, a code to use. Oh, code, code. For, for the discount. Code discount. It's RRR. <laughs> how are we going to remember that, though? I think, how, yeah, how are we going to remember that one? Cryptic. Write, yeah, it, down, yeah. <laughs> Write it down, folks. Um, so, yeah, just to mention that again, that's uh, that's going to be happening on Saturday the 20th of October. Um, it's a little bit of a lead-in, but it'll um, allow you to, uh, to get organised. And in the meantime, uh, what you can be doing is uh, looking up uh, fermentation and finding out the benefits of it. We can certainly recommend a book if you're interested uh, in fermentation from friend of the show, Sharon Flynn. Hello, Sharon, if you're listening. Um, she has a book that is Harvest uh, Hardy Grant publication, and it is called Ferment for Good. And that's kind of good. Um, have you read the. No, I haven't. No, I actually thought that was a Sandor case. I just realised he's on there. No, the she was. Um, no, he's got uh, the. Uh, I think there's the, the introduction. Yeah. And Sandal Cats, of course, is that is the Bible. So this is sort of um, uh, not quite an entry level, but it's um, speaks simpler than Sandal Cats. Wild, yeah, Sandal's wild. <laughs> uh, fermentation is wild. Sandal is sort of like the McGee of fermentation, <laughs> uh, and I, I'm speaking of on food. Uh, by McGee, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's something to be recommended too. Congratulations Thank on you. it. Um, we hope it goes well. Maybe what you could do is um, let us know if you haven't got those hundred people coming along getting their jars. Uh, let us know beforehand, and we can give it another little kick or kick really down do the road. We're bang on twelve twenty nine. We better get out of here because. Um, we're going to be speaking to Matt from Melbourne City Rooftop Honey. Matt goes, look at you. Uh, but before we do that, we need to do this. Don't we, Matt? That's yes, right. it was some music. Oh, dramatic oh. <laughs> Yeah. Triple R's the station. You are at. We're so glad that you could join us. And thank you for all your support over Radiothon. Uh, one of the uh, uh, great friends of the show mm. over the years have been uh, part of a dynamic duo mm. of um, redefining the way that we look at a product that is produced by insects, a specific type of insect in, in case. Uh, we're talking about Matt from Melbourne City Rooftop Honey, and uh, there's been trouble at Mill. <laughs> yeah, how you going, guys? Um, what a what an amazing uh, week for uh, for honey industry and honey producers. And dare I say it, before you uh, get the full steam and travel on ahead, uh, the fact of um, a very much a part of I told you so. <laughs> um, yeah, we've been the you know the conspiracy theorists in there with you uh, at least once a year talking about horrible things that we believe is happening in the industry and. Uh, 
yeah, we, some some evidence has has come out this week, and and it wasn't it wasn't by us. It wasn't and us who, like, who leaked what, it. We didn't what, find it, but other people. And what have the Germans ever done for us? Well, yeah, they 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 do things well um, and accurately, and that's why we, we're trusting them on this one. Mm. Definitely. So, um, all right, unless you've been sort of born under a rock, it's been a very very hot flowing topic uh, this yep. this week. Uh, can you just condense uh, just what's happened? Okay, Honeygate. Honeygate has broken. Honeygate, <laughs> no. Yes, Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Um, so, Capilano yeah. and supermarkets have been accused of selling fake honey. Or, um, in this case, uh, adulterated honey. That's right. So, And, and specifically, what they're, they're looking at is the wording. Um, mm. On our products, where uh, some of the major, major honey honey producers, sellers, uh, are stating on their label pure honey, the terms pure honey, and saying that the product is honey. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some that actually do state on the label that they are blended with, with syrups, and, and they're not the ones we're looking at. It's the ones that say they're pure honey, where it's imported products that are not honey. So... Essentially, what's happened is um, some some samples of the blended imported products mm. were sent to a laboratory in Germany for some analysis. And that the company was result- called Quality Services International. That's the one. Yep. Um, they tested a range of these um, imported blended Australian product pure honeys and found that they were actually not pure honey. They did have other uh, adulterants in them. So, yeah, that, that we always suspected and now it has come to light, yes. And this is because of, um, this has sort of come to light in the fact, uh, or it's been detected, I think would probably be mm-hmm. the, the best way to say it, because the test has changed. The standard test was something called a, a C4 sugar test, and you'd know that, that's an industry standard. But that's this right. was a different thing. Quality Services International down there in Germany, I'm not quite sure where, they used a thing called an NMR, and that is a nuclear magnetic resolution test, specifically found that 12 out of 28 samples of honey uh, were adulterated. That's right, yeah. So the lab uh, in Germany that, that uses the NMR testing, they've been using that uh, type of testing for fruit uh, fruit juices for, for a long time now. Oh, okay. And in about the last five, six, five or six years, they've started doing it for honey and been testing uh, a lot of imported honey coming into the EU. And they have uh, basically positioned themselves to be the world uh, standard of of testing of honey so all uh, all people around the world are now sending samples there to trace pollens and uh, when done mm. correctly the NMR screening can actually show the country of origin via the the pollen and botanic content of the honey that they're testing Whoa. so they can pinpoint if someone's even saying that it's Australian when it's not they can tell you what's in it um, this is now the international standard of of a lot of products being tested all right and, and and also so as well as your good selves being vindicated for what you had suspected for a while mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll, I might ask in a sec why you sp- suspected that but um, also uh, a guy by the name of um, Simon Mulvaney um, yeah. who who has been chased, uh, litigated against uh, by uh, a very, very large honey company, well, the one in, in question here, um, and and they've been sticking writs in his mouth and saying, we're going to destroy you if you keep uh, saying bad things about us, and yet it would appear that he specifically has been vindicated 
Would he not? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so exactly that. He uh, was threatened with uh, defamation cases um, and, and uh, told, told to discontinue his, uh, his commentary on, on the industry. Um, he, he's an advocate, so he continued with what he was doing and, mm. and has spent a great deal of money now defending himself in court, um, up in Sydney uh, mainly. And uh, it, uh, in one of his first cases, he, he basically pointed out that what I'm saying uh, is the truth, therefore I'm not defaming and, and causing um, problems. You know, I, I can't be sued for what I'm doing. I'm, I'm telling the truth to the public. Fair comment, and, uh, I think is... The judge found in, in one of those early cases, um, they, the, the judge asked for him to prove it to provide evidence. He did. Um, and therefore, um, it was it was thrown out on one of the early occasions, but Capilano had pursued it with gag orders and, and things like that since. So he uh, very much so um, will be will be delighted in, in um, feeling um, validated in, in what he was doing. And I wonder if he might counter Sue. Well, theoretically, he's suffered financial loss for yeah. defending himself against a giant like that. And uh, believe me, those those guys do lawyer up. They, uh, you know, we've got an extremely wealthy major shareholder who's involved with a media company, uh, a TV station, um, who's, a, who's a major shareholder of, of 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 this company we're talking about, the, mm. the Honey Company. Um, Who isn't uh, afraid to litigate uh, is probably, uh, we, we could well, say, has fair it, comment, it, it, Matt, as I'm looking across, being very, very careful uh, that yeah. he is uh, known to uh, to go uh, uh, follow the litigious route, shall we say. Is that he a fair a very famous comment? lawyer who, uh, who was used by a couple of large organisations and, and people who who's well known for... for uh, pursuing this kind of thing. So, All right. Yeah. So what uh, what does this sort of bring up in in your eyes as sort of issues okay. in... Okay. So there's a couple of things. Firstly, in, up until 2004, 2004, honey imports were banned in Australia. Yes. It was when we, when we had the severe drought in 2004 that we started to look at, uh, as a country, we, not we, me, yeah. um, started looking at importing honey. Um, From? And that has, uh, well... Internationally, it was okay. never defined where, how. how there was low standards and step. So, so we, Australia is one of the the best and biggest honey producing countries in the world. Uh, our, our product is amazing and is sought after around the world. So, so up until two thousand and four, we weren't importing anything. Um, but then, in in some of the ARBIC, the Australian Honeybee Industry Council. Um, some, some, just some figures from them from June. Um, they were talking about the, the year leading up to this report in June. So 2015, mm-hmm. uh, we're talking, um, the year of 2015, uh, we, um, we imported 8,127 tons. 8,127. So, yeah, that's a lot. Why, uh, that's a lot. why are we importing when we're a major honey exporter? Dare I, can I um, answer that? Is the devil's answerer? Because much in the same way as um, the gas industry has flogged off all the uh, our gas reserves to uh, to exports because there's a premium to be paid, um, which leaves the consumer bereft of products. So therefore, that has to be filled, and therefore we have to import to uh, to get the quantities up again. Yeah, which is, is kind that of, fair enough? Like if, if we did that to a, you know an animal, there'd be, there'd be animal cruelty kind of you know words going around. Mm-hmm. Essentially, yeah, giving away the good product, good quality food, the, and the and the, the higher quality, nicer food that's healthier for us, mm-hmm. and uh, 
you know, replacing it with imported rubbish that, that those people don't even want to eat themselves and, and feeding it to, to our citizens. But we, we could say the same thing is happening in the meat industry now anyway, and we could say the same yeah. thing is happening in the fish industry. Like, here's an example for yeah. you. During the 80s when we were broadcasting, when we were all in short shorts doing our things in our long socks. Um, but uh, we would never see tiger prawns. Uh, I, we didn't yeah. see tiger prawns in the in the country for, for years because there was getting more money for overseas. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, so, this, so this is the case with the honey. We've exported some of our best honey and we've had to yep. import... We've exported our best honey and we've had to import somewhat substandard brackets. Yep. Please comment, honey, to replace that. The other concern is... Um, when importing numbers like what we were just talking about, um, China is is recognised as one of the major suppliers of our imported honey. Um, China, the beehive numbers have been decreasing um, over the last decade with, with environmental issues. Um, there's some provinces of China where they're actually hand-pollinating fruit trees with uh, feathers and paintbrushes. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. But, um, their exports have still soared by over 200% in that decade while their bee numbers are going down. So if you're buying honey from a country which you know can theoretically produce X amount and you're upping your purchasing from them and they're supplying you more than you you know in the back of your, your mind that they can produce, you have to then subconsciously know or, or consciously know that what you're buying is not all honey. Mm. That's a concern. That is a concern. So, uh, in the we've got about in thirty seconds, just to what's the wash up of this? So the concern is um, a lot of large, large commercial beekeepers. We're talking like thousands of hives. Um, they rely on on big companies like this to feed their families and pay for their. Um, their, their whole operations, and these and 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 large companies like um, the one mentioned here, which is Capilano, mm. um, they all write a check when you turn up with a truck full of uh, IBCs of honey, and, so and that price, check is important to a farmer. And they're price setters, and the people that are doing yeah. it are price takers, and it's like take it or leave it. Absolutely. So luckily for us, and 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 again, um, you know. Uh, the ability to possibly educate that um, honey stores forever, so there's no need to have to sell it in that season, but but uh, banks and mortgages and things will define whether people do or do not have to sell that honey in that season. Um, what we're kind of then pointing out is, is go to your local beekeeper or your local farmer's market, avoid the, the, the packers in the middle who are putting, who are setting the prices and who are putting it on the supermarket shelves, go to the independents, go to the, yeah, the small producers, um, Vanessa and I looked at, at uh, just re- well, in the last kind of year setting up a new brand and a new line that we're doing, um, which is exactly this. We're, we've got really good uh, relationships with some large commercial beekeepers who are unhappy with the industry rate. We're looking at paying them nearly double the industry rate for their honey and bringing it to market in a still fairly competitive price point. And, and that, that is exactly... The, the industry that, that needs help right now is, is the, the direct farmer to consume a market and taking out that middleman who are who are actually destroying their own industry that that they rely on and i guess it sort of goes yeah that's that's a pandora's box we can open as well uh so i guess another thing is that uh, if the honey price seems too good to be true cheap well it probably, well, yeah. probably is 
Yeah, that's the other thing. With, yeah. with bringing products to market, we look at the price when we go around to supermarkets, and, and we know, you know, the cost of labels, cost of jars, cost of labour, mm-hmm. cost of actually working bees, you cannot bring it to market at those prices. All right, mate. Okay, well, look, thank you very, very much for your time. I'll let you get back to what you're doing. It's 12.47. Well, we, uh, I think we need a drink after that uh, sort of thing. Matt, good luck to you. We'll speak soon. Uh, thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, we probably need to just get a move on and get yeah, Duncan on the line. Yeah, let's do that, and we'll uh, hear from Duncan Buchanan after this. Hey, look up my glass over there. Oh, what sort of drink you want? What sort of drink you want? Make it a double. Yeah. Somebody got to say. Somebody got to sing. Somebody got to sing. Let's drink. Cheers. 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 Oh, I like the way Matt's just pushing those levels up today. Ooh, Duncan Buchanan, where are you? I'm um I'm at my house, Cam. Where are you? More more to the point. <laughs> We're on the roof. Oh, of course you are. We've, we've done an extension here in 3RRR and we just get to enjoy the, the beautiful spring weather. Uh, where, where we see buds everywhere, the, the world is um, buddingly beautiful and that's happening in the vineyard as we speak. Yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's yeah. sort of a nice time of year. We've been through the, um, the depths of winter yes. and there were some depths that got kind of cold there. And, uh, it's just, I don't know, it's just a lovely life that gets around the place at the moment, don't you think? There's a little bit of, you know, you can, you can, it smells like spring. That's a very easy way of putting it. Does. You, see, you head outside. How does... Come, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you can, I can feel it. You feel it in, in your waters. That's what you can. Uh, but uh, how, does, how does a vine know that it's spring? I mean, what, what, what's going on that it goes, I must push out some leaves now? Well, it's all it's all temperature sensitive, right? So, temperature. Um, yeah, these are the amazing things. Grapevines just, they freak me out. Every year, I've been doing this 25 years, and every year when they start coming, I'm like, really? Off they go. Again, yeah, that's it. Look at that. It's all temp- it is all temperature. Like the, when vines senesce, like when they start to lose their leaves at the end of the season, what they're doing there is putting all their, all their nutrients back into their woody parts. So yeah. like back into the trunk, the roots, the canes, all that sort of stuff. And you yeah. end up, they, they store it all as carbohydrates. Yes. And then that becomes soluble uh, as the weather starts. Well, they go dormant. They you know, have a sleep for winter. Thank mm. you for all your hard work. Thank you. And then they, uh, and then once it starts to warm up a bit, those the, they call it the mobilisation of solutes, which is a uh, all your um all of the those carbohydrates become soluble again, and the and it is triggered by temperature. So they they'll survive off their own food, off those you know those uh, carbohydrate reserves that they put away during the during autumn of this year. And then once you've got about three or four leaves out, then those leaves will actively start photosynthesizing. They create their own fruit, their their own food through photosynthesis. And it's just, it is the thing that freaks me out about. There's no central process. There's no brain in a plant. It's all just it's just a, a big, a, a bunch of um, chemical reactions that are sort of pretty much triggered by by warmth. It's a, it's just it's phenomenal. So it's Duncan Buchanan standing in a paddock going, "How do it know?" It's sort just, of thing. It just does. And I'm pleased to do it. I'm standing in the backyard now. I've got a couple of seed trees, and they're starting to bud up now. It's just those little, little green tips coming out. So it's, you know, just those... Those signs of life, you know. I've had um, I've had for two weeks of ice on my wall where I don't look at vineyards or wineries. I just surf and drink bin tang, and um, and you sort of come back very rejuvenated and just you know ready for another go. And uh, just marvelling at the mobilisation of solutes. 
it's a bit geek. Uh, I'm a geek at heart. Can no, no, I, I love just, it. I, don't know. I love it. Thanks, and, mate. And what I want you to do is uh, maybe you can just uh, walk around a little bit, and uh, because we're just about a uh, eight and a half out of ten on uh, mobile coverage at the moment, um, okay. I'm going to I'm going to horrify. Does that, does that any better? Oh, God, mellifluous tones. Um, I'm going to horrify you though that uh, that people are drinking less alcohol. Correct. Yeah, are you sitting down? Are you sitting yeah. down? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm sitting down because I'm drunk, Tam. I'm, oh, I'm, good. He's I'm, had 11s. Make... <laughs> what is that? A 1 at 11 or 11 by 1. Yes. <laughs> oh, Matt liked that one. Um, but it's, um, it's, it's good news and bad news. I mean, uh, let's face it, from... Uh, alcohol has some benefits, some may say, but um, mm. it is the uh, it ha- holds the powerful good and the powerful evil. Um, to, to, to quote the, the genius Homer Simpson, alcohol the <laughs> cause of uh, the cause of and answer to most of life's problems. Oh, thank you, Homer. <laughs> yes, um, yeah, and and the good news is that, uh, but we are from a winemaker's perspective anyway. Uh, that beer consumption is is down from the seventies. I think Matt and I were talking. How much was it, Matt? It went from. Was it? I think the doctors were saying it went from five hundred stubbies a year on average to two hundred and fifty stubbies a year, which Matt's are telling me is about half. You're yeah. good at that. I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm I'm just sort of looking at the looking at the graphs now, and there's a, there, there has been a very steady decline since the mid seventies yeah. uh, when we were doing you know, average. And this is liters of pure alcohol per person. We're up at almost at nine liters of pure alcohol no from beer per person. I mean, that's just a truck. Imagine the beer bellies getting around. Yuck. Yeah. Um, but the the uh, the the wine the wine angle of it most definitely is so it's been on a fairly steady up curve. But now it's down to with beer, it's down to about, it's just under four liters of pure alcohol per person, and um, it's, that's the wine and beer have kind of intersected there, which is kind of interesting. I think there's I, I was having a chat with my brother earlier. I think it's probably the fact that people are they're drinking. Uh, drinking better, not drinking more, and that's always been the message. But whenever we we're doing yeah. Conquer, any time, any time yes. I'm talking, it's like uh, drinking. Drinking is fine as long as it's done in context and not abusively so. Well, uh, radiotherapy, we're, we're tackling this matter just uh, very, very well. Maybe probably better than. Well, no, I'm not going to say better than what you're doing. Um, but um, but they were talking about. Uh, it seems that the specifically millennials are drinking less. Yes, and that's. And there's a couple of factors that play with that. I reckon we've got an aging population. Like a, we're, we're an old, uh, an old country, pretty much as far as our, our population goes. Mm. So as people get older, they tend to drink a bit less because their health concerns. And just you know, they're maybe a little bit. Yeah, there there are a lot of health concerns there, so they're probably drinking a little bit less. Plus, you've got the double whammy of the millennials and younger. Um, who are who are abstaining, or they're, they're they're starting drinking later, which is a very interesting and a really good thing. Yes, um, they're, they're just holding off with a, and some of them are just going, no, it's not what I want to do. Which I think, I think, I think is overall it's a very very good thing because it's um, you know, a lot of damage gets, and this is me as a winemaker, so a lot of damage gets caused by you know excessive use of booze. We all know that, especially very young. Um, oh, absolutely, mm. absolutely right, and I think that that. Um, that whole thing of uh, championing, championing the guy who can drink the most, it's just such an old way of thinking, you know. It's just like, oh, this is a legend, he can drink forever. You're a legend. He might be a dickhead. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. 
Um, um, I don't know. I think overall it's a very good thing because, and I, I think the interesting thing is there's more beer on the market than there ever, ha- or more types of beer on the market than there ever ever has been with all the craft brews and that going on. So I think that that's that's an interesting thing because I think it's more, yeah, people are uh, happy to have a look at a few different beers, but not just you know consume it for the sheer hell of consuming beer. Yeah, and and I guess we're also again we've. Uh, Matt and I have been banging on about this for a long time, and he knows what I'm going to say about um, old-style beer being a parochial sort of tribal statement, and now we're drinking for the taste of it and uh, how it goes with certain foodstuffs or how you just can enjoy it as a sessional thing on its own. Yeah, exactly, and that's... I've, I've been... There's a guy called Andrew Gow, who's the uh, head brewer for Mornington Peninsula Brewery, yes. and uh, him and I have been threatening for a lot of years. He's a fantastic man. And and uh, yeah, very very strong of opinion about beer, which is good. Yes. And we've threatened for a couple of years to have a do a, a wine a wine and beer dinner together. We've put together you know six or seven courses, and have he matches the beer, I match the wine, and then we just sort of you know square off across the ring as to who's the best, you know, and why mm-hmm. we matched it. And I think that would make it it'd make an incredibly interesting um, a meal to be at, just to see what you know why they work, or why we both think our drink works best with that particular dish. Who's going to judge it? You, Cameron. Well, I didn't have to, but, you know, if you, you have to have some arbor, because otherwise you're just going to be standing at the opposite end of the table screaming at each other. I can see it. It's sort of... <laughs> yeah, bullshit. <laughs> yeah, you're a beer. Yeah, your beer sucks, really. Yeah, well, you've got acidic stuff that I hate anyway. Yeah, okay. Well, um, well it could be kind of interesting. I reckon it would be, be very good. It would be, be a really good thing, so I don't know. I might need you're going to do it? On that. Oh, look, we, seriously, we've been talking about this for about a decade. Their paths don't cross as frequently as they used to, so I maybe just need to be there and get the prime, be the prime river and make that thing happen, Cam. No, no, I, sound, I think there'd be, a, there'd be a lot of merit. I reckon it sounds great uh, down there. You, you've, you've got to get some chefs together to uh, food-wise. Anyway, 12.59. Yeah. We're going to have to let oh, you really? go. Um, so the mobilisation of solutes continues unrelenting exactly. in the vineyard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which, where you're walking, yeah, it's, it, where you're walking, might be motivated by solutes mobilising. Oh, those solutes—they gang up on you. I tell you, if you're not looking. Um, but uh, there it is. The uh, the miracle of spring is taking place. Um, uh, Duncan Buchanan standing at the top of uh, the vineyard, marvelling at it all <laughs> yet again. Uh, and and it's great to have you have you doing that. And uh, don't worry about uh, drinking less. It's actually a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's good on you guys. Have a good Sunday. Thank you, Duncan. Duncan Buchanan down there on the uh, peninsula. Hmm. Uh, Neil's standing by for still here. Yes, he's nodding his head. He's got his red headphones on. They're looking very good on you, buddy. Um, Matt's got those on too. Dr. Pump's in too for JVG. I hope I'm not ruining a surprise by saying that. He's waving too. He's floating around. He's having a cigarette in the uh, special outdoor green room. Uh, (laughs) So why would you go anywhere else? uh, It's going to be great music. Great entertainment, and um, and um, you're here at the cultural headquarters yeah. of Melbourne, 3 Triple RFM. Matt, good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Likewise, and we will see you next week. Later. Tracy Lister from Vietnam. She's been cooking and uh, doing cooking courses in Vietnam for a long time. Yeah. We're going to talk about what is Vietnamese cuisine all about. Mm. See you next week. Bye. This has been a podcast from 3 Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.